But think about that day where you're sitting across the table and it's like, are you going to have leverage or are you not? Are you going to have some money for your kids and their kids? Or are you going to have everything pretty much, you know, you're going to lose everything. This is The Dime. Dive into the cannabis and hemp industry through trends, insights, predictions, and tangents. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. I'm Brian Fields, and this week we've got a very special guest, LMC, one of the best storytellers in the game on YouTube. How you doing, LMC? I'm good. I'm good. You can call me Luke, by the way, too. LMC is just short for my initials. Uh, also stands for Let's Make Creations, but my name is spelled L-U-C. All right. I, well, it's a breaking news. Kellen, how are you doing? Doing really well. Really excited to talk to Luke. Really excited to dive into, you know, storytelling, the cannabis industry. And, you know, it's just really refreshing to have a diehard West Coaster uh, back on the show. You know what I mean, Brian? How are you? <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. But I, I do appreciate uh, Luke's storytelling. And I did see recently we've had a lot of New York documentaries come out. So I think we can get some exposure on what's going on there and maybe some of the history on what's going on. So, Luke, for our listeners on from that, you can you give a background about yourself and hang on to the cannabis space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I've been involved with uh, cannabis pretty young. I mean, like really 14 on to like 20, 22, 23. Worked in the traditional market, the medical market up here in, in Seattle, Washington. And then, um, you know, I happened to kind of lose everything in a certain way and had kind of rebuild. And, and I was looking for a job, ended up getting an I-502, um, a job with an I-502 brand and started working in in, in that company. And I just started to see a lot of the... Uh, the Washington state markets, like no one really knows about it. Really, we're kind of tucked up here in, in, the, in the corner. You know, it's funny. It's kind of similar regulations in New York, but it's a really, really tough market, especially for brand. I mean, like the, the retailers run everything. And so, I don't know. I was very frustrated, honestly. And I think I took a lot of that frustration. And I wanted to help people as, as well as myself, right, to learn. And so I started just making these kind of different YouTube videos just to like educate people um, and more so myself. And then it kind of led into... You know, I did like a thousand plus videos. I, I try to do a thousand plus like different new, like just really quick content, like on Zoom, where I like review different news content or, or media, you know, different, uh, different strategies I saw, you know, just by analyzing different companies. Um, and then that led, you know, into me finally, you know, I think I try to do, yeah, try to do a thousand different videos in the first year of my YouTube. This is right at the beginning of kind of beginning of COVID or the, the pandemic. Can we say that now? Um, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was crazy back then. You had to like kind of not say that. But anyway, I got to like 900 and like something videos. And I then just, you know, I kind of realized I got tunnel vision. It wasn't really working smarter. I should have been working smarter, not harder. And so anyway, I kept kind of trying to just experimenting with different formats. And then I finally put out, I put this video out on a whim, kind of a like a video essay on Burner and the Cookies. It's called Burner and the Cookies Cannabis Empire. And then that video ended up blowing up actually and it was like you know i was like oh this is the direction i should go um and so i started then from there went to ivan and the jungle boys um and then it just kind of progressed from there and i and i realized you know with um with youtube especially you know i watch a lot of different types of news kind of like politics a bunch of different you know different genres that have kind of quicker formats and i realized you know with cannabis, I think you have to, I think that this, the format that I was meant to do was more, even though I have a lot of ADD, even though I'm terrible with like, you know, sitting down and trying to like, you know, diligently work on something for six hours straight, which is now what I, which I try to do now, but still hard. I think that uh, I was meant to kind of more, you know, kind of tell 
story be a, be a storyteller right whereas i was kind of doing a much more of like a reporting you know reporting and analyzing i think that storytelling brings in you know the masses i think it brings in people that aren't even interested in this like they're not even involved with cannabis at all but they like the story and that's what i think it brings in people and then the people that are in the cannabis industry that are involved i think they like the analysis that i do at you know kind of during throughout the storytelling um, and so I think it can bring it brings in kind of two parties uh, that. Sorry, a little bit long winded answer, but I appreciate that. No, I, I think that's perfect. And I think one of the things that's most intriguing is that cannabis has always been one of those where the there's stories that are not really told publicly and a lot of people don't want to be found. And I think some of the things that I found most fascinating is that you can kind of blend the mixture of, of getting some of the underground information that maybe isn't so popular for most of the mainstream industry and then bringing that to the light. So I guess my first question would be, how, how do you develop that trust and that relationship with the individuals you're portraying? Because a lot of them might not want that publicity. And then do they want to be shown a specific way or how much autonomy are you given? Yeah, the trust part is a big thing, especially with like a lot of the OGs. You know, these are people that for, I mean, in shit, 30, 40 years were like hardcore. Like if you were born in the 90s, late 80s, and you, you know, you were involved in the traditional market, you may like think, I mean, yeah, there's probably different, you know, I mean, I've, you know, number of different security measures taken. But I mean, imagine the people born in 76, like, these are people that are taking extreme caution because they could get, you, you know, 20, 30 you know, plus years for a planet, which is crazy. So, go, yeah, building that trust is important with the OGs for sure. I think as time goes on and we're kind of thrust into this, you know, digital age where everyone's kind of, you know, realizing even the even the people that are older, which is, you know, impressive because it's kind of hard to, you know, adapt when you're older. Right. But they're realizing that, like, you have to really build your platform online. It's the future. It's either adapt or die. And, and and storytelling and telling your story is important, um, you know, not only for, you know, yourself, but I think to help others as well. So I think it's, uh, but, but yeah, so building that trust is important. I also think though, you know, my body of work, it kind of compounds on itself a little bit. Like they've seen other work of mine potentially. And so then they go, you know, oh, okay, I trust this guy, you know, but at first, yeah, it was definitely tough. It still is, you know, I, like I, I, I always, I always tell people every time I do a story on them or, you know, however it may be, but I always tell them thank you for letting for trusting me with your story because um, I think that's a it's a lot it's a very important thing to you know they're trusting you with your story and it's your job to you know make sure that not only you know their story is told right but that the audience is getting the authentic you know authentic true you know they're getting value from that as well um, and so what was the last part of that question too just how do you balance and i think you did a perfectly job of explaining that the balance of the trust but also portraying the information in a way that's fair and resembles it from a standpoint that they can be proud of because again like these people most of them have been underground for a while and it's not like people can google search some of these questions and answers that you're providing 100 yeah and i definitely get some comments you know being like oh you're dry you're dry like it's it's funny that those are like those are hilarious to me because it's like at this point people need to realize the game has been cracked open i mean Back, like, growing up, like, I think, you know, like, a small amount of people knew how to send packs through the mail. Not everyone and their and their, and their mama knows how to. I literally I literally was featured in an Esquire article about how to, like, send little small amounts of, uh, of cannabis through the mail, like, safely. Like, it's, it's, it's mainstream now. So it's like, you know, that stuff's cracked open. But then what gets in more interesting, I think, is that people need to realize that, you know, as long as enough time's gone by, you know, and, 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 you know, that person thinks like I've had multiple stories, people coming to me, multiple, like 
I have many of these actually, like probably like six, seven, eight, nine different stories like this, where it's just, I, I tell them it's too soon. Let's just put this on the shelf right now. We're going to come back to it when it's the right time. Cause it's not safe in my opinion for, um, you know, it's too current and I don't want, I never, ever obviously want to have, you know, anybody ever get, you know, in trouble or anything like that because of my content that, that you know, that's, that's not what I'm trying to do here. And it's, you know, it's much more of a, a preservation thing. And, and, that, and I think that, you know, because people are, they're getting, I think I'm getting hit up now more by people that are, it's more current day because people are trying to like, they're haste, they're kind of, they're realizing the importance of telling their story and they're kind of, and so, and there's some of these people that are understanding this, that they're in the moment, they're old, they're, they're still doing, they're kind of living out their story in the sense of that, you know, whatever the traditional market operations are, but they're almost getting, they're a little ahead of themselves, right? Or I'm like, okay, this is, <laughs> this could, um, this is a little too soon. Like, and I've, there's a couple of times I've walked on the tightrope a little bit for sure, for sure. But, um, yeah, I never want to give you each other, but no, yeah, it's, it's a balance for sure. Speaking of stories, I want to, I want to kind of hear the story of like how you landed burner and right before you kind of released that first true storytelling episode, did you have a feeling it was going to kind of hit, like kind of talk us through, through that whole like process? Yeah. So I, at the end of the day, for anybody out there that's looking to, get approval from like someone that's like a major public figure you know i, I remember yeah i'm sure many people they try i try to contact burn i try to contact all these big people and why would they respond to me what, what's the reason for them? they don't have any reason to respond to me i have no you know they've got hundreds of thousands of people hitting them up right and so really in that process right i mean i just analyzed i love like i remember a baseball coach always just telling me he's like just observe, observe, and like you can learn so much from observation. I know it's a simple kind of obvious thing, but it's it's true. And I would just observe, analyze, and and, and there's a few of my videos. There's a, actually a decent amount of my videos in the first year of my high design series where I couldn't get a hold of these people, but that never stopped me. It's never going to stop. But it also means I have to do a lot more extra research to make sure that you know what I'm saying is true. And I've gotten some stuff wrong for sure, but I've also gotten a lot of stuff right from my observation. But so going back to the burner video, you know. You know, I I just, you know, luckily he had a lot of information. He had his own documentaries on there. He actually claimed his or Empire, his his music distribution company, they claimed they claimed that video and took all the ad revenue from it. It's kind of it's kind of bullshit because I thought it was fair use, but no worries. I don't really care at all about that. It was one of the most important like things that happened to me in terms of this uh career that I'm in. Um, but yeah, I just told the story. There's if you look at the if you watch it, there's a lot of errors in it. You know, I'm, I stumble. I, it's pretty sloppy. Um, you know, it took me took me a decent amount of time, but I think I realized, like, you know, with 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 the the, the direction I was going with my content, I realized I have to look at quality and I have to put in. You know, I can't get that instant gratification. I need that delayed gratification um, because that's where the best results are going to happen. And and it, did I know it was going to blow up? I kind of did, but not. You know, it was the first time I tried it, so. I think I kind of did, but I can't, I'm trying to remember my mindset at that point. I mean, I think it did pretty well right away, but you know, at the end of the day, like I think as long as to like for people that are wanting to, you know, I don't want to go too far into this, but like you know, with Burner, it's funny. Like I tried to get a hold of him for like you know a while. It was kind of a goal of mine because you know I looked up to him. I listened to his music in high school, you know, all that. And um, I think as if it, like you know, I had positive intentions. You know, I think he might have, you know, I, I kind of was like, oh, why didn't he give me like the, come on, let me kind of dope, give me like the retweet on this video. I kind of, I kind of hyped him up a little bit on that video. But um, I realized though, 
I didn't, he didn't, he didn't give me that until later on the way that, the way that we actually first started talking, like actually with each other was him dissing me on Twitter. But you know, now we're, you know, now we're like acquaintances, not like you know, always or anything, but we're acquaintances. But uh, yeah, I think with media though, it's just like the best networking skill, the best, the best networking tactic in my opinion has been just creating content about people that you look up to and that you like what their business, uh, you know, acumen has been. Like I've been hit up by like, if you can't get a hold of them, do that. And I guarantee you there's a great chance you're going to be able to eventually, you know, be able to conversate with them. Sorry, I'm, I know I've got all over the place. No, you're, you're right there. And I think the important thing that you said that I want to harp on is that it, this wasn't the first video that you did, right? You said you did about a thousand videos and those repetitions is what put you in a chance to even have the opportunity for one of your videos to absolutely pop because you had to have failed a million different ways. And sure, putting his name in that and the information is really well done. But I think it's the continued growth that you've shown, which I kind of adhered to that trust that you built with the audience and with the others that that understood what you're doing. But one of the areas I do want to highlight is that some of your stories you're telling, though, are little more challenging, like talking about the glass house one, right, which was very eye opening for me, because sure, we all recognize how massive their facility is. But with what's happening on opening up that perspective is a bolder way to a, a big powerhouse exactly like you laid out. So were there any opportunities if you can speak about that, where the people spoke out and said, Hey, we really don't want you to do this. And if so, you know, how does that back and forth work? Yeah, it's super. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and one thing I want to say really quick about, you know, what you just said right before that is just for anybody out there, just, I realize fail fast. Don't be afraid to fail and just fail fast. Don't make the same mistake over and over. But you know, the more you fail in different ways, the, that means you're learning. But to go back to your question, right? Um, yeah, there has, I mean, yeah, I've definitely, um, I grew up kind of, you know, somewhat in the streets, right? You know, I had different situations where, you know, you're in the traditional market and so, you know, you got to stay in your ground. You, gotta, you kind of have to be tough, but it's also a kind of a different mental toughness. I think when you bring into the, the legal area and you're now talking with like PR, you know, they're threatening you, like, we're going to sue you. We're going to, you know, we're going to investigate you, I guess. Go, so for like the glass house story, you know, it's weird. I don't really call, I'm sorry. I've turned into kind of a, I call myself kind of a journalist. I'm not really, I don't really think I'm a journalist. I mean, I think I do journalistic things for sure. I've done some pieces that are definitely journalism in my opinion, but, um, you know, I call myself more of a storyteller, like a hybrid, I guess, of the two. And, I, you know, I didn't really go, I didn't go to school for journalism. You know, I kind of been learning this as I go and um, getting like, for example, like the glass house story. That's a story where, you know, I was, you know, I, I was told like, you know, I should have, you know, I, I will admit like the glass house story. I did hit them up for comment because I didn't really know like what were they going to say to me? Like they were like they were going to I knew what they're going to say to me about this. And I knew what they were doing. I mean, I, I knew the whole story. I mean, it's I've been hearing about this for I have stories that I've been like, you know, percolating or bubbling up, you know, a year, a year and a half before. Right. And so like the glass house story, it's like, hey, you know, I probably, you know, from a journalistic standpoint, you know, the looks I'm like, a, I'm learning on the fly. You know, I probably should have reached out for comment. At the same time, I almost knew what they were going to say. And I didn't even want to, you know, waste my time with that, which, you know, I'm open for, you know, criticism on that and constructive criticism, because I know, you know, probably, you know, if I do a, if I do a follow-up video, I definitely don't want to have their point of view. I don't know if they're going to want to talk to me or not, but that story, they're more of a representation in my opinion. And also the fact that, you know, they're on the cover of MJ, you know, biz magazine, being like, you know, the more like the enforcement wants you to know, like how to stay compliant. What? Like that stuff's egregious. Right. And so they're a representation of like probably like 20 other companies in California that are massive legal, you know, you know, uh, you know, massive greenhouse spaces that are just flooding the market. 
And it's, it's going to happen. You know, I think it's, it's, it's a, you're not going to stop it, but I kind of want, you know, I kind of want to use this story as a, you know, a little bit of like a warning to the little, you know, outdoor, you know, farmers, right. Um, that, Hey, you're not going to win with this business model because you're trying to win on scale out outdoor. I mean, you're going to get crushed. Like, yeah. You're going to get destroyed. I mean, I, I worked out in Eastern Washington, you know, like it's those people like t- I worked out in Tenasket, Okanagan, you know, County, bro. Like there's like one or two of these cultivation girls left and there used to be like 10, 20. It's really just, yeah, I try to use the storytelling and, and th- those kind of stories as, as a warning to people. It's like, hey, you need to change up the business model. Maybe you need to adapt. You need to pivot. Right. You know, because that's where I really started out. My whole YouTube for was the small, you know, ent- you know, the aspiring entrepreneur like myself. The small, you know, small business owner, the the little guy, like, you know, the little guy is really like you're going to most 90, like 90 percent of these people are going to get crushed, you know, but that 10 percent that is really educated that, you know, threads the needle, finds the cracks in the system and, and grows, you know, from those cracks and, and potentially into something amazing. There's going to be some of those people. And so that's why I think my content, you know, is really designed to help help those people as well as, you know, kind of spread awareness. How do you balance the when you're when you're choosing certain uh, stories to tell? How do you balance um, it being like a good story that is relevant versus it being a story that could be significantly impactful for some of these small businesses? Are there times where you you're like, hey, this story is relevant, but I want to actually publish this story first because it's going to have more impact on these small businesses and ha- help them make decisions and make them more aware of kind of what's going on outside their purview? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's a really, really good question. You know, it's a balance between figuring out, because you're kind of like, you're asking, right? Like, like because that's a small niche group of the small business owners, it doesn't really, it's not in my incentive structure as a YouTuber necessarily to be spending resources, time, all that stuff on those kind of videos. And, you know, it's a balance of the two because this whole media business, you have to, um, you know, make it run. You know, um, you have to you have to figure out how you're going to generate views, obviously. But, you know, yeah, I have done plenty of videos where um, it's very niche specific. I mean, I did a video, for example, this is right before New York legalization. And I did a whole breakdown on how the game is kind of rigged in New York. And it's like a really like like very, very hardcore like analytical. You know, it's taking a lot of experience from you know, my, what I saw in Seattle and Washington, because there's very similar regulatory systems there. And it's actually, you know, most regulatory systems are like Colorado or Cali, but Washington and New York are the same. Anyway, I did that kind of video and it's really weird. Actually, it got, it got taken down like a, a week before this, this past 420, you know, New York legalization. And it's, just, it's a little, I'm, a, I'm not trying to go all conspiratorial, but it's like, I mean, this broke this down to the T where it's like, you, you know, this is how you're getting played. This is what you need to look at, you know, for the retailers, you need to look at, you know, securing the land. There's only a limited amount of spots for the retail spots. That's going to be location, location, like a bunch of different things. I need to go find the video because like when YouTube takes it down, they just, they take it down. You can't get the video. You can't download the video like you usually do. And I need to find that video because I need to put that up on Instagram or Twitter somewhere because it's, I mean, like, like a lot of people, you know, it only got like, it got age restricted right away. I got like 4,000 views on it, but there's a lot of people in the comments being like, Hey, thank you. This was, you know. This is very uh, informative, um, you know, and I've done other other videos kind of like that that are that are more like that. But I, but at the same time, I think that um, if you can balance the storytelling with those kind of elements of helping the small business, that that's 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 the best of both worlds. 
Now it's important for the audience to know how to find those things. I, there's a lot of stuff that I like. I'm a big fan of hip hop rap. There's a lot of subliminal stuff. There's a lot of stuff threaded in that some people may catch, some people don't. But you know, there is always, like I said, I think in my opinion, there's always different things that a small cannabis business owner can learn in in, in my videos. Um, you know, because I'm, I'm an aspiring one myself, and that's my 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 mindset as well. I'm, I do I do it like to, from the mindset of a cannabis you know aspiring cannabis business owner as well as a consumer. Um, and, and, a, and a citizen, I guess, as well. I think the part that always surprised me is your view, your videos get massive views. And a lot of these cannabis companies are looking for ways to advertise and connect with consumers. And I think sometimes they're not putting the piece of the puzzle together and recognizing that like working with someone like yourself who can attract various eyeballs from that brand stability or credibility standpoint is helpful for national exposure. So have any of these bigger public companies, let's say one that's seen some of the views you've done, reached out and say, hey, Luke, we're interested in, in having you help us tell our story and we want to bring you in from a marketing sense on, on how to articulate that to consumers. You know, funny enough, not really actually as many, like not like, you know, you're absolutely right with, with, with in terms of like, not, you know, my, I think my videos and the storytelling, I think it's one of the best possible marketing uh, strategies you could possibly use for expansion into other states, you know, getting your name out there. But like, I mean, I have a, so I have a whole criteria and maybe, maybe it's just because like people watch my comment and they're like, oh, we probably, I mean, you know, I, so, so sorry, let me get back. So I guess what I'm trying to say. So the criteria, I guess, when people I work with is one, I'm not going to work with any big, big business, like big big like MSO, honestly, in, in the sense of the, you know, and I'm not like, I'm not trying to hate on the MSOs. It's just, they have such an upper hand right now. Um, I would rather help the small business. So my criteria really is like, you know, you've got a great story, you know, you're, you're, you know, not a big, big MSO, you're, you know, small business, mom and pop, you know, to a certain degree. And it's the right time. You know, there's some companies I've, you know, I've, I've documentaries that are on the shelf that aren't, aren't ready yet because I realized this is not as, you know, I want this story to fully play out. And I want this, you know, video to like, you know, be as effective as possible in getting the name out on the company. So, you know, like I said, I think this is really like a really, really, really underlooked set, like marketing, marketing tactics slash, you know, getting your name out there because, Storytelling it, 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 it's it, it allows for people to first of all understand who this company is, who are behind, who's behind this company. It allows people to see themselves in those people that are in the company. That's a big thing. It allows people to see. You know, the key to I realized with with the storytelling is to showcase someone's hardships and and how they overcome them. It, it really, like just to kind of simplify it a little bit, right? Because people love to see that. And I think it's important to show that because one, you're showcasing problem solving, right? You're showcasing, but you're also showcasing that, yeah, this shit is hard. And that, you know, and I think people can relate with that. And, and you know, I mean, I, I've gotten definitely like a few videos where people hit me up and they're like, dude, I was like crying at the end of that video, which that's kind of what we aim to do here. You know, it's not always the case. You know, it depends also to, you know, I guess what's your personal connection to it. Cause I think there's a lot of people that have like nostalgic sentiment that, you know, they see themselves in it, right? That's where that's when you really hit the the sweet spot. Was when you know, like I saw this this Jungle Boys uh, three minute video that they put out like four years ago, five years ago, or whatever. And it's just like they don't even it doesn't even say a single word besides like it's it's all st- storytelling done. 
you know, it's kind of featuring like, you know, younger Ivan, you know, the, the, the founder, one of the founders of the journal was, and it's, and it's like, I remember watching it back in 2018 when it came out. Right. And, and I remember just by the end of the video, like crying, like literally crying. And I'm, you know, I wasn't even really a grower, but from the growing to the, the, the distribution, you know, the, you know, all that stuff and all those hardships, it hits home. And so, and that's, by the way, whoever I get a, I got a hit, I can see who, what company did that uh, three minute video, but um, it's well, some of the best storytelling I've ever seen. They don't say a single word, but yeah, I guess going back though, like I said, it's a very undervalued asset in my opinion for, you know, you know, for you, for you to tell your story. Because this, you know, people people need to understand who you are. That's why, you know, and I, from a media standpoint, I study, you know, I study the hip hop kind of landscape of, you know, media, and I've, um, you know, I've realized that there is um, to build out a healthy, strong, vibrant media ecosystem. We need to have an infrastructure, a a baseline, a foundation of knowledge for the general public so that we can have more and more nuanced conversations. You know, for example, like, how do you know, like you're watching a, you're watching a video and someone's talking about, are you, you know, you're watching a, a Snoop Dogg interview, right? And he's talking about, you know, you know, Tupac interacting with Nas. Now the, the, the audience doesn't understand they wouldn't understand that, that story that he's telling in that manner, unless, you know, they knew Nas and Tupac, which they obviously did. So there needs to be a lot of storytelling for these individuals, these people, these companies, so that as time goes on, the general public and 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 the the audience for this niche can understand these really nuanced, complex situations, right? And we can have we can have commentators and different new types of media personalities that can have new types of formats that make sense to the general public. Does that, does that make sense? I'm kind of yeah. I think that that's perfectly said, and I think storytelling it kind of encapsulates when you make people feel something they connect with them and i think that's the ability for storytelling to be so powerful is that it's the oldest way right we as humans communicate with each other is via storytelling and that feeling that you elicit in some of your documentaries i think you you humanize the individuals and you, you demonstrate the challenges that they overcome and you also give them a personality for some of these people that are fans of the cannabis industry they aspire to hive enough jungle boys or burner and they've never really felt that close and i think you do a good job of communicating those values and bringing them to life on the screen. Yeah, hundred. Yeah, the, the the human humanization aspect is a key component to that for sure. You know, the thing about big corporations is like we think. I mean, they're considered by the government as people, right? I mean, that's the funnest part about. It. But pretty cool. They're not people, though. Yeah, they're pretty cool. They're not people, and like <laughs> you know, and like we're in this era now that everything is on camera. Now we're in the digital era, and people want to get to know the person. That's why I mean, look at Elon Musk, right? He showed a lot of, you know, whether you like, hate him or, you know, love him. He showed, we, we know the kind of personality he has, right? And there's going to be people that are going to not like that personality. There's people that are going to love that personality. But the point is, we know his personality. And, um, you know, it's it's become a marketing tactic, literally. Like, you know, it can be a little bit volatile. And so, you know, at times, because you're, you're kind of a little bit cult of, cult of personality, um, you know, a little top down that can be you know, a little detrimental, potentially long-term, but um, yeah, the humanization aspect is really key. Um, and, and, that, and that's also another component with a lot of these MSOs is, and I, I think a lot of them have personalities, but I think because they come from the corporate world in, in other industries, that it's hard for them, you know, they're told, you know, you don't, you know, they're media trained. They don't really, you don't want to showcase your really like, real personality. I mean, I'll say like that's the full case, but they're really, you know, there's, they're stuck in a narrow box. And I think that could be a little bit, 
um, in, in this new era, actually a, a, a disadvantage. When you're when you're humanizing these these individuals, right? I mean, we're talking cannabis, right, which has a stigma, and the type of person that typically has been in the cannabis industry in the traditional market for a long time really enjoys consuming cannabis, right? And consuming cannabis on video and then publishing it on the internet tends to not be the most liked video by YouTube and all these other entities, right? They tend to tend to limit that. So like. Have you found like that? Is there like a really like a Goldilocks zone where you're like humanizing these individuals, but you're also like selectively only incorporating certain amount of like cannabis use and those kind of things? Because talk us through like that balance, because I think that that's also where you see this huge disconnect with a lot of the culture and these MSOs, because like you just said, the executives of these MSOs are like taught that. That's a PR nightmare. You don't want to do this. You don't want to act that way. You can't show this face in public because it could kill our stock price. So, like, that sounds like such an interesting, like, Goldilocks balance that you have to, the game you have to play at least. It, it does. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, for, for, yeah, exactly. For those CEOs, I mean, it's, it's tough because they're, they're told everything you know to do. Sorry. Remind me of the very beginning of the first question. How, <laughs> sorry, the very beginning. <laughs> so, no, you're dying. I know you're saying that. So, I remember now. Um, how do you balance out the cannabis use with with that? Yeah, I, I think, first of all, I will say this. When I first started making content, right, you know, I started to look around the, the space and I saw a lot of these, you know, kind of influencers, right, quote unquote, that were all about consumption, right? They would be smoking on, you know, on camera, they're consuming on camera, that's kind of like their vlog, you know, and I'm not gonna lie, maybe, maybe it was a little bit of my envy or jealousy and or or I also kind of was like, what? Why do people watch this? This is like, you know, this is just people smoking on camera, you know? And I think it was a little bit, you know, a number of different things, but, I, you know, self, you know, uh, analyzing myself, I kind of realized like, that's, you know, I shouldn't judge that. And, and I also like, I, I get it now because there was, I was talking to somebody about this. I think it was this, this, this woman named Ariana who used to work for the WeTube. But the thing about like the people that are doing like consumption based content, well, yeah, you're right. You think YouTube really likes to see a bunch of influencers consuming on like, like that's their number, but that's like what their content is. No, it doesn't really help the, like the, the progression of how YouTube and other corporations see cannabis. I'm not going to lie. It does not really help. But at the same time for the, for the, for the viewer, right. I, you know, Ariana, I remember saying, she's like, the thing about a lot of these people that are online smoking weed is that there's millions of people around the world that don't have anybody else to smoke with. They don't have anybody to consume with. And so they consume with this person they're following. And it's like, it's like, oh, okay. That, and, and it makes sense. And it's also, you know, you know, it's just part of the media, media ecosystem for sure. Now that's for kind of more that, you know, and so and shout out to all those people. I think we're also moving into an era though, more of like education now. It was less about just like viral, like viral smoke on you know, camera. It's more like, it's still a little bit of that for sure. But I think we're moving into like the edutainment, which I think is, I'm part of that, that kind of new era coming in. Where it's edu it's educational, but it's also entertainment to you know a certain degree as well. Storytelling. Now going back, I guess to the the balance of the Goldilocks balance. I mean, you don't have to be smoking like on you know. It's really just storytelling and showcasing that you have that authenticity. You have that history in cannabis. You've really that, and that's another like that's kind of the criteria points is like I try not to like you know I, I, there needs to be a story there and there needs to be a background of you know your love for this plant. Because the other day, if you don't have that, what story am I going to tell? Like, you know, like, 
you know, I think that there's, you know, I'm, I'm definitely looking into moving into more uh, like doing kind of the storytelling document, you know, documentarian slash, you know, uh, video essay format in other industries as well. Um, because I think there's a lot of value in it, but, um, you know, I think, uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> we'll... What video did you think should be more popular, but isn't should be more pop dang, That's what you guys are. You guys are, let me look at my phone because I got, I, I got a, there's a few, there's a few, I got a bone to pick. With. I love that. Answer. There's one that like, that <laughs> there's like, oh, there's a few that I'm like, I was like, I was so sure I was like, this is going to do well. And that's what people need to realize too, is like, you are in the bubble. Don't think that everyone around the world like thinks like you are and are interested in what you are. Like I was, you know, you know, so mentor, you know, shout out to uh Archive and a couple other people I've talked to about this. But you know, if you think about it, there's really like in in like maybe North America, people like you know, us three that are like really into the cannabis industry, like we are, you know, not only working in it, but like enthusiasts, like we are really into it. There's probably less than like 50,000 people in the United States that are like us. If that, right now, there's the you know that are like really like we're weed political nerds, business nerds, all those things, right? There's not that many of us, and so you got to realize, okay, and that's what I did. You know, I kind of started to realize over time. That's why you have to bring in the storytelling element to make the other you know other portion come in. But going back to your question, let me look up. So I'm just gonna start, let's see real quick and the videos. I mean, man, there's a few that really pissed me off that they didn't go. Is there any like as an artist, I've heard like certain artists are like oh i love this song but it just didn't hit where they're like is that also like certain yeah, videos I'm looking, I'm looking at right <laughs> yeah um oh yeah it's, well, yeah. it's the title or yeah, the, the thumbnail craft, the craft farmer documentary okay that's one that's a huge one that was an hour long why Probably most why, yeah why why did you love it that you don't think like it landed it didn't land because it got age restricted right off the bat and then once you know it for anybody that knows youtube like once they age restrict it it's it's an automatic like it's a it's a <laughs> it's Goodbye. a big just killer of your of your video it's got forty six thousand views but that video in my opinion you know it should have some it should have some more i think because that video you know shout out to shout out to lance from uh craft farmer the video he's he's just a natural storyteller and i think um you know i worked with uh his one of his video people at the time you know shout out to ian by the way he, he'll we shot together that one um yeah that one was amazing his story is it's it's insane. And I was really, I mean, and it was our, you know, that took me six, seven months, right? Seven, eight, you know, took me a while to do that documentary. You know, I was working on other stuff. It wasn't like consistently working on it like six months straight, but you know, it took me a while. And, you know, I was really, really proud of that work. Uh, that was definitely one for sure. By the way, it's a really good question you guys are asking. Um, what else is there? There's, I, I, I kind of wish the, I did one, it's called, so it's Rap Smartest Entrepreneur. It's like an analysis of Nipsey Hussle's story and how he was, you know, pretty amazing um, independent entrepreneur business mind that had, you know, I've been following Nipsey forever, uh, his music, but I also followed his business acumen. And, um, you know, I think it's just because my channel is not music oriented. It's not like, you know, hip hop business oriented necessarily. So it didn't do well. Plus, I think he might have gotten age restricted. That's definitely one. <laughs> how bribery in the cannabis industry works one year ago it's got nine thousand views that's definitely one i wish um had some more views for sure that i'm a little frustrated on um yeah the the archive genetics one that these are ones that just got age restricted too right um definitely that's a little frustrating that one i want you to have more in my opinion a lot of time it is timing right and i think you you encapsulated that perfectly that sometimes it's just about the timing and, and for even for kellen and i 
we feel the same way. It's like sometimes we have conversations with individuals and we think they're spot on for what we think would be beneficial for our audience. And it just takes a hard right. And you wonder, you know, timing, what it could be. And, and I think that's part of the game we play of just like continuing to put things out there. And as I think pseudo content creator, as, as we similar ours, we sometimes feel exactly like that and, and always wonder and like the, the guys, like what, what could happen. So expanding on that, has there been a time where you were doing some research, like you were saying, like eight or nine months, you're working on something and you were like following a strain or a person and you actually saw the rise when they were underground to a point where you, you knew in your mind, like this guy's going to blow up or this strain is going to be everywhere. Yeah. Okay. So this one is a, that's, that's another great question. You guys are, you guys are, love this. Um, I don't, okay. This one's interesting. So David from Preferred Gardens, shout out to Preferred Gardens, right? Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. I heard. Of oh. Yeah. So yeah. I think like he was just at that perfect timing. Well, you know, so he was so out of, so the high design series I started. So it went Burner, Ivan Jungle Boys, and then, they went David Preferred Gardens, right? And this was really the first person that come to me and contacted me. And I just started talking with him, right? And so the burner one, I never got to talk to Burner. I got to actually interview, I got to actually interview Ivan because he reached out um, when I put out a put out a trailer. So I got to interview him and get the story, you know, the real the detailed story on that. And then the second kind of you know time I got to actually, you know, started to actually talk to the person was in the third episode of the third ever episode of. Uh, high design uh, was with David and Preferred Gardens. And I mean, it's great. I mean, he's in now multiple different states. He was, you know, he's crushing it everywhere. If you guys haven't seen that video, go check it out. But but like I said, I talked to him when he hit me up. And I had a lot of people because I, you know, I, you know, the Jungle Boys had posted me on Instagram. I was starting to get hit up by a lot of people. Um, and, you know, I had a great conversation with David. And I realized, like, man, this guy is actually like an amazing person just in general. There's a lot of scumbags, to be honest, in this industry. There's a lot of like really fucking shitty people, as you guys know. And um, I just, he's the exact opposite of that. He is one of the very few people in this industry, very few, that I don't know a single person that could talk shit, like, does that has a problem with him? Like, I mean, everyone in this industry has someone that doesn't like, you know, for this or stupid reasons, right? Or maybe real reasons, right? But never, like, there's really no one out there that, like, doesn't have, like, one or two haters, except for, I mean, I'm sure there probably are some out there at this point, getting bigger and bigger. But, I mean, I've never heard a bad thing about anybody's ever said about David and, and prefer gardens in general. So, you know, I, and so going back to that question though, you know, that video blew up, did like 150,000 views. And, you know, after that video, he moves into Florida, right? Um, he's already, he was, that was already kind of percolating before, but I think what, what, what my video did is I think it helped, you know, throw a little gasoline on the fire that was already there. I mean, he already, he, he did all the found, you know, he had, he he had all the tools and he was already there. I just I just kind of helped shine a little bit of a light on it, and really not to like I don't want to take any credit whatsoever from him because he he was always going to blow up and always do well. I think it was just maybe timing with with it as well. And then you know um, I'm just I'm just so glad I, I decided to work with him on that third episode because you know he's just a, he's a great dude. He's a great dude that does great business that grows great weed, and that's a really 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 rare thing. I mean, it's super rare. Have you ever uh, had to go uh, went to go like create one of these documentaries on someone and like had the an opinion on who they were going in and then afterwards your opinion was like completely changed you're like this person is nothing like I thought the media kind of had portrayed him and this mystique that had been around them yeah 
Or is it because you do such uh, detailed research that hasn't been a moment for you? Um, no, I'm sure there has. I'm trying to think. Like I'm like through. I think there's definitely a few. I think um, you know, Quesada from the Backpack Boys was you know I not like for like the media portrayed him anyway. I think it was fine, but you know I think I wasn't didn't really know what to expect when I first uh, talked to him. Amazing dude, super nice, down to earth, quality guy. Um, I think also, I think Burner, obviously, to a certain degree. It's funny, like people, a lot of people out there, that that out there that are criticizing Burner, that hate Burner, whatever. But a lot of those people, when they talked it, if they were ever to talk to him in person, I'm sure they would change their tune right away. Because first of all, he's, he's actually a very charismatic dude. He's a really smart guy. Don't ever, you know, underestimate. Just he's always a rapper. He's a front. No, he's that dude's smart as hell. Now, are there are there very valid criticisms of him? Absolutely. There is a definitely there are some. But I but I think you gotta realize what people need to put in their mind is that this this game and most businesses, but especially this one right now, it changes you. It changes you as an entrepreneur because it's it gets cutthroat. People, people do slimy, slimy shit to you. And then you have to kind of I mean, I've seen it, you know, I kind of saw it through like, you know, interviewing Ivan for a number of you know, hours and just kind of analyzing him. Like he's not, he's he's you know, great business, great person. You know, but he, you know, you have to be, I mean, all of these people at a certain level, they're all sharks. They're all sharks, right? Some of those sharks are much more careful with how they, you know, they work with way less people, meaning they're gonna have a lot less exposure. But with Burner, right? He, he works, he has tons of partners and that's just going to leave you open for exposure. And, and, and inevitably there's going to be a percentage of those deals that go bad. And then you have now enemies. And so Burner's done a lot of those deals, maybe to a detriment potentially, We'll see. Time will tell. But he's built up a lot of enemies through that as well. So, and he's also gotten you know, you know, recognition. You know, he's, you know, he's. There's a bunch of aspects to it. But, um, you know, and and more so, I think it's funny with like the whole media portraying like like that portion of your question because like I think to a lot of the media, a lot of the media portrayed Burner as this like amazing business. You know, like like pretty pretty well. I mean, honestly, I, I think. I'm not even gonna lie. I think the video when I put that first video out, it was kind of just the start of him doing kind of his whole, you know, of mainstream um, cannabis, you know, more so mainstream uh, media starting to talk about him and kind of, you know, look at him in a certain light. I think, like I and, and I, like I said, I don't want to take any way, anything away from Burner or anything, but I think that video that I put out, I think it helped him a ton in certain certain aspects. I know for a fact, for example, I was at a party in um, NYC and somebody, this guy, walks up to me. It was at the Astro Club party. It was the Astro Club party. He goes, dude, I recognize you. And I was like, oh, did you watch some of my videos? And he goes, oh, yeah, you're that. So, you're that dude. so I own the building where the cookies, you know, NYC clothing stores, right? You know who that is, right? So his name is Michael. So yeah. the guy who owns that. A shout out to Michael, by the way. And he goes, I saw your video about, you know, there's a portion in the video where I talk about how, you know, cookies uses the clothing stores as expansion tools to go into markets before you know, the regulatory system set up, or it's a, it's a good environment for, for, for you to open up. And they use, you know, the clothing stores as, as a mechanism to kind of get their name in that market, start to generate all that stuff. Anyway, he saw that and he was like, Oh, I'm going to go hit up burner and try to get, you know, tell him I have this space here in NYC. If you want to put your clothing store here, you know, we can figure out a deal. And, and that's what exactly what happened. And, you know, and so, and shout out to Michael too. I really appreciate. You know, a lot of people don't really like to say those kind of. You know, for some, you know, some people don't for some reason. I mean, I always like to, you know, give credit where credits too. Not cre- not credit to me or anything. Like that's not what I mean. More so, but just like, just be honest. Like that's where I got the idea from, and then like you know, that's how this happened. Um, 
And it was just dope to hear because that was the first time I'd ever heard like a directly one of my videos directly leading to uh, a deal. I'm sure that Burner and Cookie would have found another place, you know, somebody else, you know, that would have happened. But that's the thing about this kind of media is it helps. It's a really efficient way to, first of all, network with people that are like minded that maybe want to work with you. And, uh, you know, they're coming to you rather than than, than you having to go to them. Right. That's kind of the difference on that. But um there's not like a tangible ROI to that, like immediately, but the, it, it compounds over time. And that brand positioning, like he did, I mean, it's good as you can, especially because it's location. It was spectacular. So kind of taking it one step further, who's the white whale? Who's on the bucket list of people that you're like, this would be the number one person I would love to do a documentary on or a company? It's a good question. It's a really good question. I kind of, the thing is, dude, is I, I want to... I think that there's a lot like those bucket lists, those, those are the stories I really want. I think I've done a lot of the ones that I really wanted to do, like right off the bat. I think there's definitely some people right now I could think off the top of my head that I would that would be awesome to do, you know, work with. Who? I'm trying to, I'm trying to like, well, there's different, they're, they're like, I've done the ones that I know I've wanted to do no matter what. Like I just do it, right? Like for the most part. Now there's now like a lot of the bucket list items, they're gonna, they're not gonna be fully apparent to me until they I do it, right? That's the thing. Like I just put out recently this like white boy Kevin interview with, you know, you know, him and talking about the New York, you know, uh, Hayes and, and that era. And people love that interview. I love that interview too. And I didn't even realize it until I watched it again. And it was, you know, shout out to my editor's work. So I think I've done a lot of the, like, I mean, there's definitely people that are kind of in that like upper echelon of like cultural, you know, cannabis entrepreneurs that I definitely, I'd be interested to talk to. Um, there's a couple of people, but it's like, it's kind of weird at this point, all of the front facing people are kind of, for the most part, I've done most of them, but there's people behind those people that I would love to talk about that I know, you know, I know it'd be a little bit more, I have to, I have to wait. Like there's a lot of these stories where I just have to just, just wait. I'm trying to, that's a good question. I'm trying to think like someone that. What about another industry? Another industry? Any industry. Yeah. Just any. Absolutely. I would love, absolutely love to do a story on like, you know, First of all, you know, Gazi, but do like a real, not like a mainstream media, like PR puff piece, but like a real, like, that's kind of like what people want to see. Like, that's the thing I would like to do with, you know, show them the real really, but, but Gazi who started empire money, man, uh, who's on, on, who's signed to empire Gucci, man. These are people that like, I grew up listening to like Gucci, man is someone for sure. Young scooter, a couple of different people. I'm, I'm going to be actually in Atlanta pretty soon, but I definitely want to do some music artists for sure but i want because i think i can really do it in a whole different way than anybody else has done it and i've taken a lot of inspiration for these formats for everything from the music industry media like you know if if people watch you know different you know personalities or different shows on youtube that are you know around hip-hop built you know and then they start to watch my videos they'll understand like the influences from you know different people uh for sure uh, on my they've influenced my you know, content. But I think just as time has gone on, I've kind of realized like I'm pretty good at telling people stories. And I, I, you know, this is something I've just kind of, you know, I've practiced it for sure. And I've gotten, you know, better and better as time goes on. But I've, I think I've gotten pretty, pretty good about humanizing people and really understanding where the, the pinpoints to talk about. And, and I would like to take that to, I'm always going to be doing cannabis stuff, no matter what. I mean, this is like my, you know, my passion. This is something I love. This is something that, that you know, I always, I always will be doing. But I definitely want to take, you know, like, you know, I have a couple, you know, number of different channels. I got like the Luke channel. It's just like, oh, you see my first name. I want to start to do more documentaries on, you know, different 
entrepreneurs that really got it out the mud that really started from nothing and not necessarily that, but like they start like they were a small business and they worked their way up and just analyzing that success in a uh, interesting way because i think you know there's a lot of value there's a lot of it's like three birds one stone right you get a that person gets their story told the audience gets information they get the education they get the education and the analysis by you know us looking at that story right um and then, you know, for myself, I get to learn. The thing I also realized too is with media, you know, and I'm sure you guys would say the same thing is I get to learn myself by doing the media, right? When I interview people. So it's a, it's a lot. It's really, I mean, plus I'm networking, right? Plus we're networking right now, but we're also creating content. But uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot. I mean, there, I'm trying to think too. I mean, there's a ton, there's a ton of stories I want to tell. I mean, there's some stories here in Seattle I would love to talk about. I'm going to, I'm probably going to do. It's just, I'm trying to figure out the, the business of it all so I can scale it up. I'm, I'm now kind of, I figured out certain aspects of the business, but you know, I really want to scale this up and, and turn this into, um, you know, allow for me to go into, you know, have my LMC, the high design, you know, those, those brands, you know, stick with cannabis, you know, maybe go into potentially psychedelics in the future a little bit, but, you know, then move into like, you know, creating similar type brands, but in different spaces um, because I, I have a lot of interest and I, and I, you know, I'm a political junkie. I love, I mean, I, I'm interested in a lot of things, but I realized, and, you know, I'm a big believer in fate, you know, Fortuna, the goddess of Fortuna, you know, I, I didn't plan on going back into Ganymede after I lost everything when I was 22, right? It literally, I, the only job I could get was a retail job or not a retail job, a, a legal regulated I-502 brand in space, weed and camp Genesis. Like literally that's the only job I get. And so and then that led to this, this, and this. So like the fact that I'm doing this now, it's like, I would have never thought that, you know, five, six years ago, but you know, it's really generated this love for, for storytelling. Do you have any takes on the cannabis industry that are different than uh, most would agree with? Now give me what's like the, like, give me an example. Like, like, let's say like a, an example for most would be, this is an easy one that MSOs grow shitty wheat. Most would agree that they they grow shitty weed, but maybe you feel slightly differently. That would just I mean, be an example. The of, thing about it, though, is like this is it. This is this is the thing you need to realize. Like um, any MSO, hot, any hot grow, takes. MSA MSOs grow shitty weed, but even if they grow great weed, they still grow shitty weed. If that makes sense. They have shitty brands. Shitty brands. It's the representation. It's how does the person feel? What's the emotion? Everyone's buying on emotion, right? You could have literally two different, you know, like the same exact weed, let's say, when they're in two different brands. And because there's an emotional tie, they understand the history behind it. They understand all these things we're talking about, you know, we just talked about. They're going to be like, oh, this is fire. And then let's say we give that same, that same exact batch, that same, you know, an eighth of that same exact batch. We put it in a MSO jar, give it to them two months later. And they're like, oh, this is shit. I guarantee, I like... I guarantee you, there's a there's a there's a portion of people that do that. Now, there's obviously the general consumer that can just who that who cares? They don't even like looking at that kind of stuff. But as time goes on, we're getting more and more brand centric, right? Brand is you know that that buzzword, brand, brand, brand. And there's so much media, there's so much content, and we're and we're all consuming at such high levels on you know on our phones all, all day. We're learning about these brands, and you know there's enough time. Like there's like you need to tell your story because everyone is looking online, and and there are so many people out there. That to, to not tell your story would be a, it, it would hurt you because we're I mean we're constantly on our phones and, and you know it's an it's a missed opportunity in a lot of ways. I was thinking about this the other day, right? And like I think one of the biggest issues with the cannabis industry is the fact that you had a bunch of 
big public companies come in and just try to build the factory for a brand, right? And if you look at like any other major brand, right? Let's just take Coca-Cola, for example, right? Like Coca-Cola started in a garage a hundred years ago. And it took Coca-Cola a hundred years to get to what they are now. And like you hear these these CEOs of these publicly traded companies that are like, I want to be the Coca-Cola, where they're like, all right, well, you should literally follow Coca-Cola's business model, which means that for the first 30 years, you should probably be making it in a garage, right? So it, it's crazy that you see this, this massive disconnect in the industry. That was such a, that's such a good point you made. And that was such a great analogy, like parallelism there, because you're absolutely right. That's exactly right. And that's that's the, that's where there's so that's why there's going to be that's why there is there has been so much grinding and like you know conflict between the two like the corporate the culture right and there's going to continue to be a lot in like you know increasingly so because there's going to be people going out of business right from the culture side but you're absolutely right it's so weird there's a culture that's been underground right for what ninety years eighty years and that's been developing it's been growing it's a, it's rich I literally grew up in the the like the seattle cannabis culture like i was a baby of it pretty much like literally i was i was spoiled with this shit right like you know i used you know i got a medical card walk into markets you can get anything you want i got you know growers all over the place that are you know like i, I literally have growers that i used to buy from that you know i would i would work with that like saw me grow up like, from like 15 on to like you know to now and they like you know i meet their like their whole family and like you know it's crazy. Like, like, and there's people like that on the West Coast, but people like that all over the country for sure. But that is serious. There's generations of growers, of of you know, people that have really invested time in this plant. And for the government to now come in and say, okay, these people, you're not gonna be able to participate because you know, you're you're not gonna be able to adapt. You know, this is the whole thing is that the, the trappers, the, the traditional market folks is another reason why I started my YouTube channel. You have to adapt now because. What's going to happen? Like you know, they're they're going to view you as you know. You have to learn how to do business on quote unquote their not to say their terms, but the like the 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 legal corporate you know their terms. Like you have to understand how they're doing it to to be able to play because that's the future of this, right? But at the same time, you know, having a bunch of people that never cared about this plant in the first place, never took risks, never really you know they just they just go cha ching, right? That right there is very short sighted. It's also stupid because if you're trying to actually make real, like if you're trying to, if you are really indeed there, your end goal to make money, which is most people, like almost everyone, right? Going about it in a way where it's like, you know, I'm just going to take it like I, like I, you know, I bulldozed over this industry and this industry over here, you know, I just bulldozed them over with, with just, you know, just business tactics, all this. It, it's stupid, bro. There's a lot of nuances in this game that I think people don't understand when it comes to the media landscape, the understanding of the culture. There are some though, there's a few, there's a few of these people that aren't really from cannabis that have that are that are sly they're, they're right now they're kind of going under the, like the, the radar you know they're smart to do that honestly um for, for the time being kind of learned but you know it's it's like you said though it's 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 like you've now got these like imagine this what if like there's hundreds of these people hundreds of different cokes right they're all in their they're all in their garage and they've been doing it for 30 40 50 years maybe they, maybe they've done it with their with their with their father and their grandpa and then let's say the government comes in and says okay guys we're going to let um, this car manufacturing company come in and start, you know, taking over your industry. That's probably not the best example, but somebody else that didn't have that time. And it's like, well, we have all the expertise. We know what to do. We've been building this. It's just, you know, we don't have the capital and we don't necessarily know how to operate in these new kind of um, times of, 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 of wall street. 
of you know these these complex financial markets that are really in a lot of ways you know overly complicated. A lot of it's just gambling. It's bets on bets. It's derivative. You know, it's stuff that you know it's 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 a lot of smoke and mirrors too. I mean, to be honest, I slightly disagree, and here's why: brands matter, and I'm I'm in agreement. But in certain states, brands don't matter as much, and that's because the way they've positioned these assets of being limited capture states, MSOs are like the infrastructure, in my opinion, in certain states that are extremely limited, and their best future is to come in, or their current future is to come in and to limit the competitors, which everyone can agree with. It's not the best. But but those brands are not as valuable in those states today because there's limited opportunities to purchase. But in the future, brands will be the differentiator. And I think the MSOs will go back into the infrastructure like a Target or a CVS versus like them trying to, quote unquote, come out as brand. The only reason I think they come out as brand now is because they're forced to. And I think they prefer to be more infrastructure based than brand focus based. Or uh, at least yeah, some. I, I'm with you there. I, I mean, I'm with you there. I think. I mean, that's one of the big things that I talk about and that I despise, honestly, is, you know, these these different states that have absolutely rigged the game. I mean, almost every single every single state has been rigged to a certain degree. Right. But uh, there's more so than others. And like you said, I remember the first thing we talked about on Twitter. You know, that's just part of the game. Right. You got to play the game. But um, we're not making the rules. We're not making the rules. And I, and I just personally like my like my like whole like goal in life and really like my long term goal is to get money out of politics. I know it's, you know, I want to play a small part in that because that's. In my opinion, the, like I don't get mad at corporate. I get mad at these politicians that are, you know, legally bribed, right? Or, or sometimes, you know, not. And, uh, but you're right. The whole the whole game right now is limit competition, destroy competition, destroy the small business, right? This is what, you know, big, you know, big business has done, you know, uh, other places around the world. I mean, it's like you know, divide and conquer. Don't let people allow for you know big business to dominate by just influencing the politicians take over the infrastructure really. And at the end of the day, you're right. I mean, that's what's going to happen in a lot of ways, right? Like the smart ones, the smart MSOs, they're going to be building their infrastructure and then they're going to start to incorporate the culture brands that made it. That's just what's going to happen. It's starting to happen in Florida. Let's let's be honest with True Leaf. Let's just be real. Like they've signed what? That's the smartest move. I mean, True Leaf, I've got some, definitely got some uh, criticism that, criticism, criticisms of them for sure. Um, if you look into the whole history, if you watch the video, how the corruption works in the cams industry, the last story we featured three stories. The last story is about Kim Rivers, right? Now, you know, I'm like I said, but at the same time, from a uh, MSO executive standpoint and playing the game, she's doing a good job. She understands what she needs to do. She needs to get people from the culture on her side, meaning she needs to sign these people. She needs to have some sort of economic leverage over them, right? I mean, I've been now hit up like there's times where I've talked a little bit about Kim Rivers, right? And I've been hit up by you know culture people like, hey. You know, trying to like, no, 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 like, you know, protection, right? So these MSOs also need to realize, like, it's protection in, in other ways, too. You're going to have big people kind of going to bat for you because, you know, it lines their pockets. Now, is that that kind of a sellout move of some of these people? Potentially, yeah, for sure. But um, it's also, this is a business, right? This is people got to survive. And it's like, you know, for people, like the hardliners of like, you sold out, man. You know, it's like, I think you need to have your set core principles and just always stay true to those now. But there's a lot of things besides that, though. There's a lot of things that are moving. And and, and if you can stay you know, true to your core principles, you know, whatever they may be, I think you're going to I think, you know, you're you're in the right for the most part. Right. I think um, it's also this is the playbook. Right. This is what I've been telling people for a while. I always, I've always been talking about these different business models that work for the, the small guy, like this, the little guy. And it's it is building brand 
right? It's building either proprietary technology and you know, inventing something, right? You know, SOPs, but that's kind of being flooded everywhere. So it's becoming less and less valuable. But the brand, right? The brand equity, that is something because I always say like this, like imagine this day where you're going to be sitting across the table and there's an MSO, a big money person. And they're like, there's two ways that this can go. They're going to either slide you a check for, you know, liquid, like pennies on the dollar, take this or we can, we're just going to, you know, you can just die out and you're, you know, you're already struggling. So you're going to have to take that, you know, you're going to you know, not make really anything on it. Right. Or you're going to be sitting across the table from, from those big money people. And even if they have billions of dollars, right. They can't go and they can spend as much money as they want on building their own brand and their brand equity. But that's still, you know, that's still something that they can't necessarily just go out and buy. It takes time. It takes, you know, authenticity. That's the thing that a billion dollar company doesn't have over you. You can build brand equity, you know, bootstrap it, grassroots, and, and you can build this into something where you're going to, you know, the, the, the big money people, you're going to have leverage in those negotiations. And that's the key. Think about that end day for all the small business owners out there for the most part, right? There's going to be a few that are going to be going, go on to be like the, you know, the sharks or like the bigger, bigger fish, right. That are going to actually be like acquiring people themselves. But, but think about that day where you're sitting across the table and it's like, are you going to have leverage or are you not? Are you going to have some money for your kids and their kids? Or are you going to have everything pretty much, you know, you're going to lose everything. And a lot of people, they're going to lose everything because they're not understanding where this is all going, where this is inevitably going to happen. You know, you've got to be educated in this stuff. If you are right now a small business owner and you're going into outdoor cultivation and there's nothing else you're adding, you're not trying to build brand necessarily, you're kind of just being one of those, you are going to 100% go out of business in like, at this point, it's going quicker and quicker and quicker, right? You need to be different. You need to have a unique offering. You need to create a, 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 a tribe and a group of people that are behind your brand. They're because brand like brand equity is really brand loyalty. That's the key. Brand loyalty translates into brand equity. And, and that's one of the few things that you're going to have leverage over these billion dollar companies. It's going to be brand equity. But that, that's it's hard to do though. It's really hard to do. And there's also other ways, you know, like I said, technology, genetics, definitely. But genetics is also branding too. It's another component to branding, right? So it's brand equity is the big, I mean, you know, it's the big play in my opinion um, for the small, the small business entrepreneur. And I think that one of the issues that Brian brought up in terms of like MSOs being forced into brands, right? I think that it all stems from like other industries. If you go start a brand, there is a, a playbook, right? You're like, okay, I call a factory. I have them do my custom recipe. I choose my label. I fight with them about my packaging and where it's going to be stored. And then I have my product and I reach out to this massive retail network that is the United States capital system. And I get these big box stores to buy it. Right. And when these big MSOs who are used to playing those games came into the cannabis space and they were like, oh, we'll just call a factory. And they're like, well, that doesn't exist. Right. And they're like, well, like, I guess I'll just build one. <laughs> so like, I think that it's like kind of a chicken before the egg kind of situation in terms of like how that whole thing work and they'll build their infrastructure and hopefully they are smart enough to be able to have it be flexible so that different brands can come up, come in with different requirements that they need to be met for their, their products. Right. So that consumers end up with a product in that brand's package that is truly representative of what they've spent the last 
X amount of time cultivating in their garage, right? That's the, the hope, right? They've taken risks also, right? And like, and this is mean, by no means defending them. Just saying is that everyone here is fighting to kind of grow and navigate the rules and the complexities. And some people have been forced to do certain things and others like here. And while at the end of the day, we all know how it'll shake out is people will rely on what they're best at and those will rise to the top and then will connect. And unfortunately, we will see a big shakeout over the next 10 years, but those relationships are going to run deep. And eventually they'll kind of marry in together where the brands and the companies will come together as one. And sure, I understand the leverage standpoint, how that all works. But if we're going to be totally honest, the bigger fish on the outside industry, the big CPG companies, the tobacco companies, the alcohol companies, all those boys are coming in town. And it's just a matter of time, pharmaceuticals, before they come and disrupt everybody and push even the MSOs to the quote unquote small pot. 100%. The MSOs are really like medium-sized fish. They're, they're tiny. Yeah. They're, they're tiny. People need to realize like the big money has not even entered the room yet. Like not even close. Like Not publicly at least. Yeah, like like up in Canada, you know, there was all like a little bit of that happening. But no, but like the real and they've been I mean, I know these are people, these are companies that have invested, they have pride, you know, they've got contracted out different, you know, uh, groups, different individuals to like start doing the groundwork. You think that these big, big money people haven't put years of infrastructure and groundwork into entering this at the right time? Some of them have, absolutely. And I, I mean, like a little I've been contacted by some of these people. It's kind of creepy. They're like, we can't tell you who we're representing, but like weird shit like that, right? And, and so but but um, going back to the point, I guess is like yeah the 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 industry is being made in real time, and that's the thing I always love is like, you know what we're doing here. There's no one that really came before us doing this. We are the ones writing. You know, we're the we're really the first generation of, of legal. Like you know we that's you know in this new environment of the digital era, which is also another crazy aspect to it. But. Um, yeah, no one's gonna know how this is gonna shake up. And it's it's you're right. I think as time goes on, progresses the, the best of the best in each sector are gonna survive and, and eventually fuse together. And yeah, the the playbook is different here. I mean, it's just it's what kind of consumer agricultural good has been legalized recently that's high that has a extreme like a, a massive um you know supporting culture of it that is being now legalized in the Digital social media era, no, not nothing really. There's nothing even close to it necessarily, really. And and one that has grown in all the states because, of course, we grow oranges in all the states as well. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's like, so it's a really, it's just, it's 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 fascinating because it's it's going to be. I mean, right now, what's interesting is right now we're going to see the different laboratories of democracy, you know, go on and really what we're seeing really is just a petri dish for corruption i mean you're telling all these small like these small politicians like these small you know you know governing you know counties or states even you know you're telling them they're going to have the power to get to pick winners and losers and you think they're not going to be corruption in every aspect every single state there is i mean it's it's rampant it is one of the most i mean it's 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 just but it's just a it's just a showcase of our time though and that's why I love cannabis because it's now being brought into the light. It's being legalized, and so we get it. So I get to, you know, like I said, I'm interested in a lot of different things. But we, get, but I love to use cannabis as a lens to look at these broader issues in, in our in our world today. And corruption is one of the biggest ones. I mean, it's it's massive. I mean, big business. I mean, I mean, like like I said, I'm a capitalist for sure. But I think let's be honest, there, it's gotten out of hand. There's there's a little too like the fact that pharma, the military contractors, and energy, the energy industry. The fact that those three big, you know, like industries, I mean, they run Washington. They run our world. Let's be honest. Ever since Citizens United and then, you know, Buckley, all those different bills, I mean, it's it's gotten out of hand a little bit. But it's just, you know, so 
but this is why I love cannabis and I love because because there's a, there's a strong culture here in cannabis and so we're fighting back right we're fighting back we're showcasing these people it's not going to be that easy right I mean you know eventually you know it's 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 you know they're going to be there's going to be a fusing between the two right but look at California if you're going to be corrupt if you're going to pick losers and winners you know if you're going to do terror if you're going to try to kill the competition through high taxation black markets winning baby still to this day two three times the size of the legal market and it doesn't like i mean it just seems like a quagmire there they're just i mean yeah there are definitely people you know because the price of the the pound has gone down significantly um you know there is people that are you know leaving leaving that 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 profession right but still i mean it's going to be interesting to see because we're still, we're still, I mean, we're really, we're really in like the, maybe the third inning, fourth, like third inning, maybe of this overall maybe saturation, like, maybe, maybe even like, yeah. And it's like, we don't even have all the states online. No, I know. But the, the thing about the states, on, and this is another thing about the states online is like, I, I mean, it's, it's, if I would know for sure, let's say I'm in Idaho and I want to start a cannabis business for sure in Idaho. I'm going to be real pissed because I know I'm probably going to be the very last state. I'm probably not even going to get legalized there. They're probably going to be forced by like what they did in Idaho with the, with the, with the drinking age, right. From 18 to 21, because you know, the, the federal government wants to have continuity around the, around the, uh, you know, it's like, Oh, we're going to pull the federal funding unless you do this. Right. That's probably the case for them. And so, but if you're trying to have a, you know, a, a business in, in Idaho and there, there better be protections for that market, which Montana did, but, you know, but for the bigger, bigger markets, you know, that are going to be last, you know, there probably won't be protection for that. And so what's going to happen is you're going to see kind of a, a kind of a, a, a smaller form of like neoliberalism. Like we do a lot of neoliberalism in terms of the international space where big American companies come into these, these small countries, you know, and, you know, America forces, you know, gives them a loan or whatever, makes them, you know, drop all of their protectionism, right? They're, they, they want free trade. And then a big corporation comes in and just, cleans house and destroys the local economy there. I mean, that's what's going to happen to some of these, 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 these people in some of these states that are going to come online later. Also, the fact is, I mean, in my opinion, but you know, when I consult with different companies and other things, I'm not saying necessarily do this, but I'm saying, you know, look at what fake, what fake packaging is looking at, looking at like, there's two different approaches to, you know, your, there's two different markets for this, this brand. Well, I don't like what I what I don't like. I don't like to see Glasshouse doing what they're doing. That's what everyone else is doing too, though. They're having their two different systems. They've got their legal, and they've got their traditional, and they've got kind of two different systems. The thing I don't like about Glasshouse is they're just continuous, like because they're stuck in this business model of what they've done with the investors because they have investors. They're kind of they're stuck to that model. They're trying to expand the amount of greenhouse space, which I think is just come on, like you're just you're trying to run run up score. But it's the game, you know. It's it's whatever, and it's also the fact is like if you're gonna if the California government's gonna you know say you know we're going to shut down the small grower but not not that's that's where i that's my big thing that i get mad about right that's the that's that's about it but in the, the day like backdooring is the thing that you have to do um in the industry in, especially in california right but it also from a expansion standpoint you know it's an opportunity for brands to get their name and you know bubbling through the streets right if you watch some of my different videos there's different videos kind of talking about that right you can utilize I'm not, I'm not saying you should necessarily, right? Wink, wink. But like, you know, there, there's different ways to really do it. Like, people at this point just send their packaging out to different states. I mean, it's, it's like, yeah, it's kind of. I don't, I don't like that necessarily. But people are playing this game at all, 
at, at, at so many different levels and you got to realize it's not people don't play by the rules like it, like no like a lot of people don't now is it yeah i mean yeah for the most part so. i mean everyone's got to eat you know what i mean and like if you're forcing a rock in a hard place like you're gonna do what you have to do to eat and unfortunately the system that has been created to facilitate the launch of this industry has just been a sideways train wreck dumpster fire <laughs> so people have literally been like all right well like i'm not going to play by your rules because then i don't get to eat and i starve and my kid doesn't get to eat either so like i'm going to do what i have to do to feed my family and that's what uh, unfortunately has kind of been this like flashpoint within the industry especially in states like california where you've had people up in humboldt that are third generation growers and now they literally can't even utilize any of those skill sets that they've had passed on through generations because there's just no way they can make money in it it's it's insane to me it is insane it's sad i mean it's it's not to get darker but i mean if you're gonna look like trust me we're we're just seeing it right now if you look at the suicide rate right now of farmers just small time i mean it's going up up, a little dark but it's this is a reality i also think like for example with like 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 with glasshouse you know maybe it's not in their business model necessarily but i think that if they're you know, they've got so much greenhouse space. Why not take one of those million square feet greenhouses, split it up, and then hire all those hum- people in Humble. Like an incubator. But then working on these all these craft brands and, you know, do a good, do a fair deal with them and, and do what we're saying. Like, let that big company adopt some of the, the, the culture, the expertise, all that. Are they going to do that? Probably not, but... Hey, I'm I'm trying to be a problem solver here. Solutions, you know. Yeah, I mean, I love it. We can tag Graham in the clip too. So I think that's the perfect way <laughs> to end, Luke. So for our listeners, they want to get in touch. They want to watch some of your documentaries. Where can they find you? Yeah. So really, just if you go onto YouTube and you just type in LMC, I'll pop up, you know, first right away. But I do really, you know, advise people to go to the very beginning of my, you know, I used, I had I had a thousand plus videos. Like I said, I took all of those down for my main my main channel. I really try to keep now, you know, important stories that I think, you know, hold true and, and, and are, are, you know, you can learn, I think, something from every single video I've done. And there also is, you know, I think it also pertains to today, right? And what we're, what's going on today. So I do, you know, say start from the beginning if you can. But yeah, go to LMC. It's the high design documentary series. It's kind of more of my like current kind of analysis slash a little bit of history, obviously, but of, of these different entrepreneurs that are operating today. I've got the Trap Tree series, which is kind of, you know, celebrating, you know, preserving is a huge component of this um, and acknowledging, you know, all these OG smugglers and, and, and trappers that, you know, took a lot of risk and, and helped build this market that now we are operating in today. People need to realize that there were there's there's people that came before us that went to jail, died. I mean, I have friends growing up, I have friends that have died about this, right? And it's like, these are sacrifices that people have made to build the market that we now have today, you know, from the culture and 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 so you know, it's important for, you know, I think to remember those people and, you know, you know, I know some of the people may have been not the best people, but I try to cover really just people that, you know, helps expand the canvas movement, you know, um, you know, I'm not, I don't really talk about, I mean, I talk a little bit here and there about other, you know, cause there's kind of overlap. There's people that sell blow or sell hair, you know, all that stuff. I try to stay away from those people, but there's a couple of, a couple of stories like that, but so there's trap free series and then, um, and then I have a high design history series, which kind of just talks about like, you know, general history in different in different regards. And then, yeah, if you want to follow me on Instagram, lmc.media on Instagram or um, lmc.loop. Yeah. And just if you go to my, uh, if you go to, if you just look up um, LMC high design on, on Google, you'll see my website. 
and you can find all the different links there. But um, yeah, and if you want to reach out, you know, the best way, typically I've, I have so many, I have, first of all, I have like four, like I have like six different Instagrams because I'm just trying to diversify. So if one gets taken down, I can yeah. still keep it going. So I've, but I have so many DMs because of that and it's hard to kind of go through all of them. So the best way to get a hold of me definitely is to send me an email at highdesignbusiness at gmail.com. Definitely the best way. We'll link it all up in the show notes. Thanks for taking the time. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you, guys. This was amazing. I really, really, really love this conversation. Guys, if you've enjoyed this podcast over the last few years, can you please take three minutes or less and leave us a quick review on Apple or Spotify? All reviews make a massive difference for us and help other people like you find this podcast. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.